Scripture lesson this morning, the title of the message is The Glorious Gospel of Christ. Stand with me, we'll read the text verse, and then we'll go a few other places. Text verses, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. Second Corinthians 4, 4. In whom the God of this world, maybe I should start at 3, but if the gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And so I use this phrase out of there, the glorious gospel of Christ, for my title. And dear Lord, we bow before you this morning, humbly ask for your guidance and direction, your blessing upon these few moments that we spend together looking at the word of God. Uh, we pray, dear Lord, that you would enlighten our minds, that you would enliven our spirits, that, Lord, you would help us to see what a wonderful privilege we have of knowing Christ as Savior. We ask all these favors in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And so, to really grasp what verse 4 is saying to us, uh, you have to actually look back at chapter 3 in 2 Corinthians where Paul covers the idea or the subject of this dullness or this gospel being hid uh, more fully uh, where uh, he has spoken about what happened when Moses went on the mount to receive the Ten Commandments. That when God was revealing not only the commandments, but also the pattern for the tabernacle and so forth, that something happened, and you read about that in the book of Exodus chapter 20, chapter 34, and... Uh, starting to read uh, in verse 29. And uh, maybe we should start back on that, a verse before that. Uh, maybe two verses. Let's go to 27. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write thou these words, for after the tenor of these words, I have made a covenant with thee and with Israel. And he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He did neither eat bread nor drink water. And he wrote upon the, on the tables the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. And it came to pass when Moses came down from the Mount Sinai with the two table. Two tables of testimony in Moses' hand. When he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. 
And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone. And they were afraid to come nigh unto him, to come nigh him. And Moses called unto them, and Aaron, and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him. And Moses talked with them. And afterward all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And till Moses had done speaking with him, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which he was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. So uh, Paul speaks of that incident that took place when the law was given. Uh, he dwells on it a good bit in chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians. Uh, he talks about the uh, ministration of death, which was what the Ten Commandments were because the they were the, the law of God, and to violate the law of God meant sure and severe punishment, uh, death. Uh, we remember, uh, and I didn't get the reference for this, but uh, there was a man after the Ten Commandments were given that was out on the Sabbath day. He violated the Sabbath. And he was made an example of his violation because uh, he was not to be picking up sticks on the Sabbath. And so he flagrantly violated the commandment to keep the Sabbath holy. And so he was brought before the tribunal, so to speak, and the Lord was asked what should be done, and the verdict was death. He was put to death for picking up sticks on Sunday. Uh, I say Sunday, I should say the Sabbath, because it was, it was a holy day, and that is what Paul is talking about here, that the law was given, the law was inflexible. Uh, it was what it was, and... If you violated that, yes, they did have a day of atonement, uh, but the punishment was very severe for violating, and there was not forgiveness for every violation. Sometimes we think, well, all they had to do was come to the day of atonement, and everything was taken care of. But we're told in the New Testament that not everything was forgiven under the Ten Commandments. Some things required a punishment, and some of the punishment was very severe. And I'm sure in the case of, at least my opinion is, in the case of the man picking up sticks on the Sabbath, he was an example. He was made an example of that God gave a, a, a law that was not to be violated, and so he was made an example of. 
So Paul calls the Ten Commandments the ministration of death. You see that in chapter 3 and verse 7. Um, it says uh, it was written and engraven on stones. And, and he says it was glorious. It was glorious. It was, it was so wonderful that Moses' face uh, shined from where he had an encounter with the Lord for these days. Moses was not aware of it, but the people very readily saw it because when Moses came to speak to them, uh, they were uncomfortable, weren't they, uh, looking at his face uh, because it had such a shine to it. And so uh, Paul draws the point that uh, Moses, if you read that thing that I just read to you, the last part of it said that Moses had the veil on his face until he went back in to speak to the Lord, and then he would take it off. But Paul brings out in the New Testament that the glory was a fading glory, that the glow that he had, the longer he was away from the presence of the Lord, uh, the more the glow faded, uh, that it did not retain its radiance. It did not retain its brightness. And so it wasn't just during the time when Moses' face was shining brightly from the presence of the Lord, but it was later also that he wore the veil to show or to conceal the fact that the glow was dulling, that the, do, the, the glow was diminishing. So uh, when Paul brings that out, uh, he goes on to talk about the gospel. Uh, he says that uh, if that ministration or the giving the law uh, was a glorious thing, uh, if it shone so brightly that Moses' face glowed, uh, the ministration of the Spirit is more glorious. You look in verse 8. It says, The ministration of the Spirit be rather, rather glorious. If the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceeding in glory. So uh, if, you have, if you have a brightness that uh, you think this is, this is extremely, extremely bright, maybe the light uh, of some incandescent object, and you think this is really bright. Um, and I've mentioned before because, I, you know, I'm from the old days. Uh, I'm an old guy. And I think about those floodlights that we used to drive for miles. If you saw the searchlights, I'm saying floodlight, but they were actually searchlights. They were on a truck, and the truck would have a generator running. And uh, so they'd have these humongous lights, uh, one humongous light, I should say. And... And, and it would be casting a beam in the sky. Now, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Uh, see, I see 
Okay, you all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, Christy doesn't. You have, have you seen it? Okay. So everybody knows what I'm talking about, so I don't have to describe it too well. Um, but I, I went out and looked in that, and it was like just a bunch of candles burning in there, just a little small lights, but it had mirrors that would reflect that light up. Uh, but you think about that, and then you think about a welding, a, uh, an arc welder. Uh, you think about the flash uh, of an arc welder, and if you know anything about that, you know that you better not be looking at that because you think, oh, I, I can see that. There's no problem with that. But it actually scorches your eyes, doesn't it? It burns your eyes. And so you put a helmet on that has a glass in it, and the glass has a certain number of how, it, how much it will dull. And uh, so you, you look through that, you can't see anything until that arc is hit. And then, and then you see very clearly through that glass that is so dark that you can't see anything. When that arc hits, then you see. And so I'm using that as a comparison to say that the law, yes, the law had, had a glory, had a glow, had a brightness. But the gospel far exceeds that, far more radiant than the law. And the law, the glory of the law, faded. But the glory of the gospel does not fade. The glory of the gospel as we come to know Christ, only grows brighter and more radiant. So we're talking about, I, I like the song that uh, Reverend Young uh, chose. The, well, I liked all of them, but the last one, is, I was listening to the words, uh, that uh, the, 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 the glow, the light of that glorious gospel, it is... Uh, we think about flashing lights. We think about something, something being in lights. Uh, we think of, of something being framed in, in lights and flashing. Uh, when we talk about the glory of the gospel, it is, it is a flashing uh, radiance. It is, it is God saying to us, I've got something so, so good, so wonderful for you, uh, something that far exceeds anything that even your imagination could have come up with. Who could have thought that God would send his only begotten son into this world to die for our sins and to purchase for us so great a salvation that even those things, those sins that could not be forgiven under the law can be forgiven and that the forgiveness is ministered to us by the one who actually gave his life because he didn't stay dead, did he? He didn't actually die as far as the spirit, but as far as his body, yes, his body died. When Aaron, the first high priest in the New Testament, 
When his body died, he was done, wasn't he? He didn't come back. His sons took over. And, and until a new generation came finally. But when Jesus died, he did not depart, but he came back as a glorified Christ, and he ministers to us the rules of the New Testament and the New Dispensation. And so his, his brightness, his glory is flashing on the screen to us to say, this, this is not going to fade. This is not going to dull. This is not going to go away. This is what I've done for you. So it's not a fading glory. Uh, the law brought death, but the gospel brings life. The gospel brings life. Um, I, I tried to witness a couple times last week. Um, I got a little further with one person, one person I could not talk to before. Uh, they, they acted very oblivious, very like they weren't catching on to anything. But uh, this time when I talked to them, uh, they said, well, I've got, I've got two places I can go, <laughs> don't I? I said, yes you got two places you can go. So that was a major admission from that neighbor as I talked to him uh, that he had two places he could go. Uh, and, and, and he said, it's been years since I've been in church. And he never said anything like that to me before. Uh, so I have to think that maybe the Lord's talking to him when I'm not talking to him, that he's thinking about it some. So I praise the Lord for that. Um, another one I didn't get anywhere with. It was, didn't want to talk about religion or politics. <laughs> and it's just awfully hard when uh, you're shut down, you can't say anything. And so you just let your light shine. It's all you can do. And, uh, and try, to, try to let them know you're, you're their friend. So... The law brought death, but the gospel brings life and grace. And so um, the scripture tells us uh, in 1 Timothy 1.11, and I'll read that for you. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. The glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation 
that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Paul said he was the ultimate example of the grace and the life that grace brings when he trusted Christ because he had so many offenses that he was guilty of. And if God could forgive Paul, Paul says, if I can get forgiveness through Jesus Christ, then anybody can. If they will come to him, there is forgiveness for them. And then uh, if, we, if we look at uh, what it says here uh, in 4.6 in 2 Corinthians, uh, Paul says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. So he is going back to when God said, when he created the world, let there be light. And he says, God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has turned the light on in our hearts. And it is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So here again, we see the splendor, we see the brightness, we see the favor of God. How do we see it? We see it in the face of our loving Lord and Savior, don't we? That Jesus, Jesus is the expression of that. That God turned the lights on in our life just like he turned the lights on in this world. He said, let there be light. And that light came through Jesus Christ. Um, so uh, Christ had this glory before the creation of the world. If you look at John 17, 5, when Jesus was praying what we call the high priestly prayer, he talked about the glory that he had with the Father before the world was. He says, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. And so Jesus laid that glory aside, didn't he? Uh, so that he could come and walk as a man among men. We see a little bit of that glory come out well, we see, we see that full glory come out on the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, when the disciples saw Jesus with a radiance that was beyond that of the noonday sun. How can that be? Uh, you know, we wonder about what's going to happen if Jesus comes and uh, what's going to happen to our clothes. It wasn't any problem with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, was it? because his clothes were even transformed. Uh, you know, if you, got on, uh, if you got on a pair of Levi's or if you got on something from uh, the dress barn or wherever it is, according to what happened to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, his clothes even became so white like, like no Clorox could ever get them, to put it in our language today. 
Clorox couldn't make them that white. But Jesus' clothes actually glowed uh, with what had happened to him. I don't understand all that, but I know you don't have to worry about it because God is going to take care of us whenever the rapture takes place. And so that glory, he said, I had with, with you before the world was. Uh, we know that uh, the Bible tells us in Hebrews that uh, Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. And that's Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. Who, who being the brightness of his glory. So what we're talking about is we're talking about radiance. Uh, when we talk about uh, glory to his name, we, sing, we sung the song. What does that mean, glory to his name? Well, you can say it means praise to his name, but you're also saying let his name radiate. Let, let it be so bright with the brightness that everyone sees who he is and has him as their object of adoration. So he's, the Hebrew writer says, who being the brightness of his glory, the brightness of the glory of God, and I'm adding those words, and the expressed image of his person. That's the exact impress of the person of God and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins. Praise the Lord. Isn't that great? He purged. He took our sins away. He sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. And he's there for us today, folks, so we can come and call out his name and know that he's there for us and for our needs. Uh, the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 1, such a wonderful, such a wonderful chapter uh, and so much interwoven into that chapter. But if you look at 114, <clears throat> John's bringing it out in his gospel. <clears throat> and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. See, there's churches today that are talking grace, 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 and the love of God, and how wonderful the love of God is. And God's love is wonderful, folks. There is no argument about that. God's love is wonderful. But remember, it is truth. <laughs> it is truth and grace. It is, it is not just grace. It is, it is grace and truth. So truth is there, and that is what the gospel teaches as far as right and wrong. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so we have 
a responsibility when we find Christ as Savior that we walk in the truth and we follow what his word says. And no man on earth is able to change the words of Scripture and say we're going to suspend certain rules and we're going to embrace others and we're going to replace some because we're in a different day, we're in a different age. Back when the gospel was preached, it was preached to very wicked, very heathenous people that were practicing all kinds of immorality. But the gospel message was never softened, was it? It was never softened. It was never, Paul never said, well, in order to be, reach this group of people, we need to pull back on some of these rules. We need to make it easier for people to get in so they can get in whatever their sinful habits are, whatever their sinful practices are. We want to get them in. And then when we get them in, then we'll let the, the Lord work on them. But the standard was kept where the standard needs to be. The truth was preached. The truth was preached. Grace was offered. People had to accept the truth. And so uh, John sees this uh, where Jesus came into our world. And of course, we're coming to the time of Christmas when we when we really emphasize and celebrate that. Um, so the Bible tells us that when Christ came into our world, uh, Zechariah uh, in John the, John the Baptist's father uh, talked about the day spring being sent to us. That's in Luke 178. You've read it many times, no doubt. Uh, but that day spring actually means the rising sun. The rising sun, the day spring, the rising sun. Uh, you think about the darkness of night. You think about the, the problems of a sin-cursed world. And then you think about the sun rising, the sun of righteousness. Malachi speaks about that. If you look in the book of Malachi, the last book in the New Testament, and you look at 4, 2, chapter 4, verse 2, uh, But unto you that fear my name shall the sun, S-U-N, of righteousness arise. goes right along with, with day spring, the rising sun shall rise with healing in his wings. So uh, the wings were told on the rabbis. You know, you might think that refers to a bird. But I read that the wings, when it came to the rabbi, were the garments that they wore uh, when they spread their arms. It was considered the wings. Uh, so... The son of righteousness is going to rise. And look at how many people Jesus touched as he went about preaching the word of God. He had healing, didn't he? In his wings, as it were, in his touch. And so uh, Paul says, you know, that glorious light of the law 
is very dull in comparison to the radiance of the gospel that we have through Jesus Christ. Uh, the Bible not only says that, that Christ and his ministry is glorious, but if you look at Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 27, uh, that glory also comes to the church. It's a glorious church. Uh, we've sing that song from time to time. Tis a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. And so Christ wants his church to glow for him. And yes, we'd like to have a whole building full of people, but you know we can't be responsible for everybody else. We just have to be responsible for ourselves, don't we? Doesn't mean we can't help other people. Doesn't mean we can't pray for them. But when it comes down to what we're doing, we just have to walk the walk, don't we? And do what's right. <coughs> I guess sometimes when we try to stay the course, try to, try to be regular and, and, and engaged, sometimes we're looked at as inflexible. But we're trying to be faithful. We're trying to let our light shine. Uh, so uh, the Bible tells us that uh, we, can, we can, by his spirit, be more like Jesus. Look at the last verse in this third chapter. And when Paul is describing this in back to 2 Corinthians again, and my pages want to stick together. Uh, look at the last verse in chapter 3. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. Uh, open face, we're not hiding anything. We're not hiding anything. We're looking with an open face. People that, people that hide away from the direction of the Lord and his guidance uh, can't expect to have his grace working in their lives as God wants it to. But with an open face, uh, you think of a mirror as in a glass, the glory of the Lord. So we look and we read the Bible and we listen to sermons and, and we're open with our lives and we want God to show us what he wants us to do. Then we, become, we begin to be changed is what this says. We are changed. You see... God can change us. God can bring us along. We are changed into the same image from glory to glory. And that is, we're advancing, folks. We're advancing. Sometimes we can get discouraged with ourselves or discouraged with other people, but other people are not our responsibility. We are responsible for ourselves, and we have to pray for others, but we cannot... We cannot let them hold us down.
but it's by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit working in our lives. You notice Spirit is capitalized. It is by the Holy Spirit that we are changed and we are brought into a, a new, brighter area of Christianity by the Lord. And then the Bible tells us that Christ's return is going to be dazzling. Uh, Titus chapter 2 and verse 13 talks about his glorious appearing uh, that we are waiting on that glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, and none of us can, can even come close to imagining what that would be like if we are alive and, and remain when the Lord comes. Uh, but we know that it's going to be it's going to be a, a great and glorious, a bright appearing. And we're not talking about, we're not talking about when the Lord comes finally. We're, even, we're just talking about the rapture for the church of God, that it's going to be a bright and glorious appearing. Uh, he's the one, Titus said, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good, of good works. So we have, we have that to look forward to. We know that when the Lord comes, we're going to have, we're going to have a glorious freedom. Uh, Romans 8.21 tells us that there's going to be a glorious freedom that's going to be granted to even nature in this world when Jesus comes and takes over finally. So we have, we have great promises and great, great expectations because of what the Lord has done for us. So it's a glorious gospel. It is a glorious gospel. God is at work. Now I don't usually, well I won't say that. I guess I do whatever I think I ought to do. So I'm not going to make any statement as to how I always do, but Doris and I were at a saying on Friday night. <clears throat> Doris didn't even know I was there. I sneaked in on her, uh, and, uh, and I saw her at break. She said, I didn't know you were here. <laughs> yeah, I was here. I was only down about five seats from her, but she hadn't seen me. Uh, but there was a, there was a uh, Kentucky Wonder there, uh, Mark Bishop. He's, he was a different kind of fellow, wasn't he? Uh, and his songs, uh, they, he wrote 90% of his songs. Uh, not all of them rhyme just the way you would expect for all songs to rhyme. Sometimes he, he brought the last words in, kind of sneaked them in, and then had music to cover it. I don't know how else to describe it, but uh, his family uh, were singers. And like I say, he lives in Kentucky. And uh, so after, after Mark sang and the close, I went and told him that I appreciated the, the story that he told. And I said, with your, with your permission, I'll share that story. Not really thinking I was going to share it this morning, but as I thought about it, the more I thought about it, 
it's not written down for me and my memory will fade. Uh, and so I thought maybe it's best just to go ahead and share it. Uh, but he talked about Granny. Remember, he talked about Granny. Uh, that Mark and his family, and it sounded like there was quite a group of them, seven of them, if I remember right, that, that sang in the, in, the, in the little church back home. Probably a Baptist church, I'm guessing. Uh, but, but they all sang together. And he said that whenever they sang, uh, Granny was sitting right there at the front. And, and that was the highlight of the service for her to hear, hear her family. That was, she was actually the grandmother of Mark and others of the, uh, that were in that group. And, uh, and she just loved sitting there listening to them sing. And he said, Granny wasn't really in good health. He said, you know, she came, you got the idea she came when she didn't feel like it, folks. Uh, she came because she wanted to be in God's house. And it was a highlight to her when her, she heard her family sing. She was right there to support them and listen to them. And he said, uh, Granny began to get crippled up with arthritis so bad. She was, she was in pain all the time. And her limbs began to show the action of arthritis uh, with joints that were drawing and, and, and uh, crooked limbs and so forth. He said, finally, Granny got so bad that even though she loved to come to church, she could not come anymore. She had to stay home. And we're talking about back in the 80s. Um, back in the earlier part of the 80s at first and so she couldn't hear she couldn't hear them sing and they would go to her house and uh, she would want them to sing for her at her house and one day she said to uh, one of the one of the bishops she said one of the one of Mark's family maybe Mark I'm not sure but she said uh, I would like for you to make a recording so I can listen to you. When I can't be there to hear you, but if you do that, then I can listen to the recording. And so she gave him $500. She said, I want you to go to a studio and make a recording. Now, I don't know what the recording was on. Um, I don't know if it was a cassette or if it was something earlier than that. I don't know. but. Uh, he said they, he, they took that money and they went to some studio down there in Kentucky, some, some place that did that. It wasn't a real professional place uh, like Nashville or anything like that, but they went and they had a recording made. And then they, uh, when they went to pick the recording up, uh, the guy said, uh, well, uh, we've got a hundred uh, copies of this, and uh, and 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 whichever one of the bishops it was said, "Well, all we wanted was one." <laughs> well, he, they, you got all these anyway. He said they hauled hauled a couple boxes of recordings out, and uh, they. 
They set them to the side. They took Granny what she wanted. And she got to enjoy listening to the family sing again. And he said that the box sat there, and then they, they thought, well, we've got to do something with this stuff. So they started giving recordings out to family and friends and, and whoever they could give to. And, and he said, uh, somebody gave one to a radio station. And he said uh, the radio station played it, and it said happened to be uh, some kind of scout or somebody that was in, in, engaged in music industry. They heard, they heard the bishop sing and uh, said, who is that? Well, that's uh, just a family down the road, the bishops. Well, I, I would like to record them. Uh, at the studio, at uh, Nashville, I think it was. It was some professional studio. Doris is nodding her head, so I must be on track. Uh, if she goes the other way, I'll know I'm straying. <laughs> so uh, they went there and recorded, and then they started getting all these calls. Uh, people at churches wanted to come and sing, so they were traveling all the time. And uh, then other other big names wanted them to come and sing. And uh, so among, among those, uh, they, went, they went on different broadcast shows. Uh, Bill Gaither wanted them to come and sing. And uh, they, they sang with Gaither. Uh, and, uh, you know, Mark said that when he saw what happened to Granny, Granny was such a faithful Christian, loved the Lord so much, he did not understand why Granny had to be so crippled up, so incapacitated, had to suffer so much. And he just didn't know. And, it, it, and it, you got the idea that it could weaken his Christian faith, that God had not really come through for Granny the way Mark thought. He ought to come through. God ought to come through for Granny. He said they were singing, <clears throat> I think for a Gaither venue, big place, that, hundreds of people, few thousand people there. And he said uh, they were on stage, and he looked down, and there was a little old woman sitting right up toward the front. Just reminded him of Granny. And he said... It, it began to come to him. You know, God was working in that. Even though it didn't look like he was, what would have happened if Granny hadn't got crippled up and gave that $500 to record that music? They would have never been discovered. They would have never gone on as they went on to sing and different venues and God used it in spite of the fact that it looked like God wasn't at work God took what it looked like Satan was winning that he was crippling old granny up and keeping her out of church and God turned it all around and put it right back in the devil's face and multiplied the singing ministry of the bishops so that many many hundreds of people heard the gospel 
as they sang it. So folks, you don't know. You don't know. But God's at work. We just have to be faithful, don't we? I'm sure Granny spent a lot of, lot of hours wishing she could be in church, wondering why it was happening to her as her grandkids wondered too, kids and grandkids. But God used it. God's still at work, folks. That's why it's the glorious gospel. It's the glorious gospel. Flash those lights. It's the glorious gospel, and it's still working today. God bless you. Will you stand with me this morning?